Hello and welcome to the next episode of the podcast Discipleship in Challenging Times. We continue with our readings in 1 Corinthians. Today's episode is entitled Not the Lord's Supper and I'll be reading from verse 17 of chapter 11. We come to our good and gracious God in prayer. Lord, as we look today at the way the Lord's Supper can be abused, we also think of the Lord's Supper of communion at its best and how you presence yourself with us as the bread is broken and the wine is poured out. We praise you for your presence on those occasions by the power of the Holy Spirit Lord, we praise you that you are also present as your word, in a sense, is broken open as we open it, as we find the page, as we read it together. In the words of the hymn we pray, break thou the bread of life, dear Lord, to me. Help us as we read to know that we are taking in spiritual food for our souls. Nourish us, we pray, with your presence and with the power of your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. So 1 Corinthians 11 and beginning at verse 17. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings don't do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. 
That is why many among you are weak and ill, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home, so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further instructions. Well, coming together to celebrate the Lord's Supper is a wonderful thing. But it's also an awesome thing, a serious thing, something which should not be done lightly. And the verses that we have read through today illustrate this truth more than any others in God's word. Verse 30, the phrase fallen asleep, it's an image for death. And what has happened is that some of the Corinthians have died because of God's judgment on their practice of the supper. And that should make us all pause and take note. But what is it that they were doing that was so badly wrong? Verse 28, we are encouraged to examine ourselves, examine yourselves, as the text says. And this is often taken to mean inward self-examination. It's there in communion liturgies. It's there, I think, in the fabric of Christian tradition that in these verses, when we are called to examine ourselves, it is a call to look within. Is there any secret sin that we are harboring? Are we in the right place as we come to take the bread and the wine? It's about our thought lives. It's about our relationship with God. And absolutely, it's a good thing to engage in judicious self-examination of this sort. And I have spoken about this previously in these podcasts. But that's not actually what is in mind here. Yourself is plural. When Paul says, examine yourselves, he's not talking to an individual and he's not talking to a collection of individuals who are isolated. He is talking to the whole church together. This is where thinking about the focus on others, remember I spoke about up and in and out, it's where thinking about the out really helps us. It's an interpretive key that helps us to understand what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 11. He is speaking to the whole church about their corporate communal practice of the supper. Examine yourselves as a church. Examine how you are conducting your meetings, is what Paul is saying. 
What appears to be happening is that in the church at Corinth, as the meeting started off, it was the wealthy who were arriving first, eating the food. Maybe they were bringing their own food and drink with them, not waiting for others, even getting drunk at the table. And those who came later, those who were unable to come early, perhaps because they were slaves, perhaps because they had duties to attend to before they came to worship, were missing out. Perhaps they weren't able to bring any food of their own. So we shouldn't imagine people coming with just a a little bit of bread and some wine and some grape juice, but it's part of an agape meal. They would have shared the supper as part of a communal meal. And it's just being transgressed. It's being trampled all over by the wealthier people, by the more prominent people who are not waiting for the poor to come, who are not sharing, who are getting drunk, who are engaging in revelry. It is a travesty of the Lord's Supper. Not recognizing the body means not recognizing the whole body of Christ. Our personal relationship with God is important and it may just be partly in view here because the way that we are with God spills out into our conduct towards others. But the focus in these verses is on the way that relationship does spill over into the quality of relationships within the church. The reflection on chapter 10 that I did some time ago and communion focused on the vertical, focused on the presence of God in communion. And here our gaze shifts to the horizontal. And so in our own communion services and indeed across church life as a whole, how can we practice a gospel-shaped inclusiveness, one that embraces the poor and the marginalised, the dispossessed and the isolated. A church that refuses to do that, a church that refuses to reach out and embrace the other. We might still come together and share communion, but if a church does this, It runs the risk of Paul's words applying to them, not the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper speaks of our relationship with God, but it also speaks of our relationship with others, other brothers and sisters of all shapes and sizes, of all temperaments and backgrounds, the wealthy and the poor. And as we practice the Lord's Supper together, all are welcome, all are welcome to come and share. This actually is at the heart of the supper, a communal meal. Paul reminds us of this fact forcibly. When we come together, is it the Lord's Supper that we celebrate or not? And a key part of the answer will be how we treat others. Let's come to our God in prayer. Not the Lord's Supper. And the fact that some have fallen asleep because of their abuse of the supper. Lord, these are terrible and difficult words, but we want to sit with them. 
And we want to hear the challenge, not so much to inward self-examination at this time, but to look outward, to think about our relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ, to think about the out, to think about the others. Help us, O Lord, in the life of our church, the life of our meetings, whether it's communion or some other meeting or some other dimension of church life, to prioritise the poor, the hurting, the broken, the marginalised and the dispossessed, the isolated and lonely. Help us in our practices, in our worship, in the way that we conduct ourselves in the church and in the world, to prioritise others over ourselves. Lord, thank you that in doing this, we will be following the example of our wonderful Lord Jesus, who gave himself for others and who strengthens us by the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in the path that he sets out for us, taking up our cross daily and following him. So, Lord, help us, whether it's at the Lord's Supper, whether it's at some other meeting, or whether it's as we go about our business as the church scattered. We want to think of others before ourselves. Show us how to do this. Show us the way, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.